Welcome to Driving the Sea Bus, featuring insights from individual contributors from all corners, nooks, and crannies of the Columbus, Ohio region. Our goal is to get to the why of our evolving and eclectic environment, which we all share by the people driving the bus. I wanted to welcome everyone to the uh, podcast today, and uh, today we have a very special guest. Mr. Joel Riley is with us. Uh, he is currently the uh, morning host of 610 WTVN and has his own show. Uh, a little bit about Joel before we welcome him to the, the podcast. You know, he's been in radio for 35 years, been 24 years alone at 610. Uh, Joel has a, a son that he talks about a little bit on, uh, on air as well that's in the I think he's a track star, and uh, and Joel's also a professional golfer when yeah. he's not uh, when he's not doing the radio show. So uh, with that, I'd uh, want to welcome a good friend and colleague uh, of many years, Mr. Joel Riley. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Awesome. Thanks yeah. for being here Absolutely. and joining us on driving the bus. You know, we're trying to figure out in this podcast series. Uh, who the movers and shakers are in Columbus. Now, not the people you may read about, the right big checks, or, or the folks that are out there, the face of things or another, but there's a lot of undercurrent, a lot of things that go on in our city uh, that a lot of people don't see and they, and they don't know of. Um, and so tell me, uh, you know, from the time that you've been doing this, 24 years on the radio, you know, tell me this, what do you think, I mean, from where we've come to where we are now, What's your immediate impression of that? Well, the thing that gets me most about Columbus right now is how much traffic there is. I mean, it used to be like Ohio State football Saturday. If you wanted to do literally anything else but go to the football game, you could do it. You could park right in front of the door and walk into any retail establishment. You could get on any golf course. You mentioned that earlier that I love to play golf. That was one of my favorite times to go play because you knew you just owned the golf course. And now there are so many people in Columbus and so much traffic. I mean, I don't care if you're two-lane, four-lane, freeway, outer belt, 670, whatever. It is almost nuts 24-7. And when I drive into work, you know, it's the middle of the night. And there's even traffic then. And it's not just truck traffic. So I think that's the thing that really kind of sets you off. Like, man, there's a lot of people here. And then you sit back and go, why? Well, it's because it's a great town. And I think the more people, like, you know, we have the Women's Final Four. And you expose Columbus to this group of people that have never been here before, and they have nothing but great things to say, not just about campus, not just about the events, but about the bars and the pubs and the places to go and the hotels and how easy it is to walk around on the Scioto Mile. And just like, Columbus is a great place to be. And it's a clean town. I mean, it's Really clean. Clean. Uh, we really put on our, our dress best there, but we didn't, uh, just so you folks don't think well, we put on a show while you were here. You know, yeah. yeah. We tried to dress up a little bit, but that's our hometown. Mm -hmm. We have clean, safe uh, inviting hometown and uh, yeah so that's why uh, now the byproduct of having a ton of people here is traffic mm -hmm. but at the same time we know it's kind of a necessary evil for everyone to thrive though, right? it is I mean, so we have to have it's why I talk to ODOT very regularly like where's the construction and what are we doing to make it better that's right that's right <laughs> now let's shift gears just a little bit from Columbus and head back uh, into your past and kind of how you became you know what, what what how you became who you are today so what you know what possessed you to uh, to want to have a career in radio? Well, for me, it's it's pretty simple. I can't really remember a time I didn't want to be on the radio. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church, Mount Vernon Baptist, 
uh, First Baptist Church. And so when you grow up in the church, like, and you get a decent speaking voice, of course, you're in front of people. Um, I would occasionally get asked to sing, and as soon as I would start, they would say, stop that, it's terrible. <laughs> um, there were people that thought because I could talk in front of people, maybe be a preacher. And I always felt like you should be called to be a preacher, and I never really felt that. But I enjoy being in front of people, I enjoy talking, and I love listening to the radio. So when I got through about midway through high school, um, I found out that they actually had a radio class at Mount Vernon High. Had a lot to do with, if you ever watched the Hollywood Squares back in the day, Paul Lynn, the guy that was the center square, right. he was from Mount Vernon. Oh, how about that? And at some point, he had donated audio and television equipment to the high school, and so they had this class. So my senior year, I took a class. We got to play music for the lunchroom and things like that, and I just loved it. So when I went to go to college, I chose Otterbein, mainly because it has its own school radio station, and I knew if I went there... I'm going to be able to be on the radio, and that's just what I want to be. I just want to be on playing music, talking, whatever it was, and then as I learned more about the theory of it, um, I took some psychology classes, and I learned how it impacts people. Uh, then you become, like, I want to, it's not that I want to use it, um, it's just I want it to be a part of the community and make the community understand what's going on, and so you highlight people, and you give them information, and they're able to use it and then, you know, make things work better. So through all that, WTVN was always the station I wanted to work for. A, because it did that. That was its part in the community, but also because they have great talent. And you figure if I could get on that radio station and make it, then that means I'm decent at what I do. And, you know, you talk like you mentioned Munch. I mean, for me, Bob Connors, the morning god, oh, yeah. John Corby, who we just yeah. lost, um, you know, Rush Limbaugh, Nashley. I mean, there's just some huge talent on that radio station and for a while you know my job I joked that I got to tell them what to talk about I was the executive producer but I got to be a part of that and then you learn from them um, more about how the radio station fits into the community and what people use it for in that and then it just became a real passion so I wrote a lot of papers about WTVM when I was in school um, and it just took me a while to get there but now that I'm there they're gonna have to kick me out the door because I'm staying as long as I can <laughs> Well, you're doing a great job, Thank I know, you. and I'm sure ratings are really high. You know that you mentioned Bob. You know, one of the probably one of the harder things that you've, well, maybe you could tell me how it was for you in your career about uh, that shift from, you know, Joel from Bob. Yeah. I mean, Bob was obviously here for, you know, two almost three decades, right? And he was a. Uh, we talked about that, you know, a couple of times out on the golf course mm -hmm. and things about that transition. You know, tell me a little bit about the, you know, kind of what you went through with that and what you decided to do. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that one of the great moments of my career is Bob's last day. And they had kind of already, they hadn't 100% decided, but it was kind of like the heir apparent. That's what he said on the air. And, I mean, it's a job that I really, really wanted. Um, and so Bob just said when we were talking about it, he's like, just be yourself and you'll be fine. And, you know, I'd worked with Bob for a long time. That meant something to me because that was like him going, you're okay. That was like a thumbs up, like, you just do what you do and I think it's going to be all right. Um, you know, Bob was really interesting to me. I knew Bob from the office and I knew a lot of things about Bob that people that listen to Bob on the radio would never know. Bob was a little, you know, had kind of a public persona and then... You know, maybe it wasn't really a different person, but there were things about himself that he kept to himself. You know, he didn't want everybody all up in his business in that. So you learn from that. But I'm a little more open. Like you mentioned, I talk about my son. You know, I'm 
I want to be accountable for my life. I want people to know that I love this community and I'm involved in the community. So I played a little bit different, but that's who I am. And when I felt like when Bob kind of gave me the thumbs up and said, just be who you are, okay, that's easy. Now we've changed what we call the clock, which is like the pace of the show and how things work on the show. I'm a little more upbeat. Um, I don't have those super smooth, really, really low pipes that Bob, I mean, Bob's voice was, it doesn't get any better than Bob's voice. I'm not quite there. And I like it to be a little more fast paced. So instead of doing like an eight or nine minute interview, mine only might be three or four. Try to really get to the point of it. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world anymore. There's a lot happening in Columbus. So I just try to keep it fast moving. Um, a lot more social media. So, you know, we're posting stuff on Twitter and Facebook and we got to feed that, um, you know, that appetite as well. So it's just, I'm a lot more engaged. I'm really yeah. tired at the end of the show. But it's just it's a lot faster pace for me. Well, it's a different it's just a different time. Yeah, you know the world did uh, you know spin a lot slower when Bob was around. You know, and when Bob did the show, mm -hmm. and I remember uh, my dad and I, Tiny, we used to go hang out with Bob at the Naughty Pine. Mm -hmm. That was his place. Mm -hmm. And he would go after the show, and we'd buy he'd buy lunch or Tiny buy lunch, and I would sit there and just watch those two talk because they were uh, got to be pretty good friends. Yeah, and they really knew what Columbus was about. I mean, you, know, you talk about guys that. We're super plugged in, but weren't like beating their chest about it. Like we're not proud that we're kind of dialoguing and we know what's going on. They were just kind of massaging it and keeping the highlights and making sure people knew the good things that were going on. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, the show has obviously been great, and in uh, Columbus, that's what they tune into every morning. The ratings show it, and and anytime I know that we're on there, we have a great relationship. We advertise on the radio, and mm -hmm. that uh, uh, and uh, yeah, Jeff Rio and his team do an excellent job of representing their clients and. It's been uh, it's been a really good relationship for us. That's good to hear. Well, uh, well, shifting gears from that, just talking about our hometown. Mm -hmm. You get to interview people from all over the country mm -hmm. on your show, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm sure that you probably have no lack of subject matter. Like we <laughs> talked before, there's something going on every day, every now second with all of kinds every day. Of things. But you couple that though with the economic growth and environment that we have here in Columbus, mm -hmm. the phone's got to be ringing off the hook with people wanting to talk to you on air. Yeah, it's interesting um you know when you just like i mentioned the women's final four um as a sporting event there there would be people certainly that would not be interested to go to that um but when you bring it on the level of the sport and then you have buckeye great katie smith come in and talk about all the stuff that went on there in her time and what it means to her uh, and what she means to you know athletics at ohio state and then you talk to the columbus sports commission and you hear how many people are coming in and then you talk to restaurant and hotel people downtown and they say this economic impact is going to let us do this and so whether you're really plugged into the athletics of it or you like a food truck guy that's looking for where can i park to get close to that or whatever there's so many facets to events like that and that's the thing you know the quarter horse congress there's a lot of people in Columbus never been to the Quarter Horse Congress a day in their life. But I'm telling you, you should go once. Oh, yeah. Just to see how unbelievable, how deep, how far people come from to be a part of it and what kind of impact it has. You know, the good guys car shows. I mean, and then there's, there's smaller things. Like even the county fair, the state fair and all that, there's just so much going on. And it may not appeal to you right where you are. But I'm telling you, it's just like when I was growing up, my folks would take us to one opera. They would take us to one ballet. They would take us to one band concert or whatever. And it just exposes you to something that maybe you don't know. That's really what Columbus is about. You may not be a Kappa ticket holder. You may not have a ticket to see the Blue Jackets when they make the playoffs again. But you got to understand that's what makes Columbus Columbus. 
And it all is about bringing all those people closer to you and just building the city up. You know, we may not have a whole every 100% in common, but all those little pieces, that's what Columbus is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, truly is a melting pot. Oh. Very, very diverse. Yeah. Uh, way more diverse than most people know. Um, if you don't get around the city. If, you, if you're in Dublin or UA or Westerville, and that's kind of where your fiefdom is, you, know, mm-hmm. you really have no idea what else. Take a here. drive down to Grove City and see what's going on down there. It's amazing, <laughs> it's amazing. what is happening in Grove City right yeah. now. Now, it, you know, from Grove City, I'm allowed to call it Grove Tucky. Yeah. That's where I grew up, and I'm a greyhound, and I'm proud of it. That's my hometown. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's not the same uh, little town, you know, Outside of Columbus, Mm-mm. that it used to be, we would build a hospital. I think they have forty-seven thousand people that live there now. Yeah. Uh, the problem is you have to you have to have a four-wheeler to get there because seventy-one is never going to be finished. I mean, it's <laughs> you, you're going to you're going to blow a tire a day driving up and down through there. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Think about um, some of the challenges maybe that you've had, you know, over time in your career and and. And maybe, what are, what are some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to get over? You know, you were at the company, same company for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously it probably wasn't all peaches and cream. What, what, what were some of the biggest challenges or maybe one or two examples of overcoming some obstacles? You know, I think for me personally, it's just I've been so committed to my job, whatever role I'm in at the time, and to the radio station. Uh, the challenges for me have always been culture change. Um, you know, we're iHeartMedia now. Uh, not so long ago, Clear Channel Communications. Not so long before that, J Core Communications. And you know, you can keep going. But each time you get taken over by somebody, um, it's kind of a compliment because they want to own what you do and they know that you're a moneymaker and they know that you're a part of the community and that's a good thing. So you now reflect positively on them. But also, they're in the business of trying to maximize investment. They want return. And so... There are times when resources get squeezed and staff get squeezed and things like that. So probably for me, just in my time at WTVN, it's been those culture change times. I mean, you know, you work for somebody for four or five years and then there's a takeover and then you have a new person that you report to. Maybe it's your direct supervisor, maybe it's the guy above them or, you know, the the senior vice president. But there's a new person that's kind of checking on you. So now you have to prove yourself over again. And I always viewed that as a challenge. I never thought, oh, good grief. I just, I don't have it in me anymore. You know what? If what I've done before is not good enough, I'm out. I've never looked at it like that. It's like, I love what I do. I like where I work a lot. And so if I got to prove it to this person, I'm going to prove it to this person. And I've been able to keep doing that, you know. And that's one of those things I feel like I've, I've learned from the guys that went before me. I mean, you know, Corby, Connors, Steve Cannon, all these people, that's what they did. I mean, it's literally every day when you're on the radio. People tune in. I mean, you can have great show, great show, great show, but that one bad one, people remember that. They'll give you another chance, but if it's a couple in a row, they're going to be punched around because there's a lot of great radio stations in Columbus. So I always view that as a challenge, and I'm ready to rise to the occasion. I feel like when I lose that, that's probably when my career's over. It's time to look for something else. So being able to pivot. You know, when you're dealt with adversity, yeah. you're dealing with something else. I'm sure a lot of Columbus's young people, maybe some folks that are listening to the uh, pod, you know, cast now, are talking to themselves, or maybe reflecting on themselves. Well, I'm dealing with that right now. My company's merging with someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all that's going on, right? Mm-hmm. M&A, uh, you know, people getting bought out, relocations. Uh, so you see it as a challenge, 
and try to overcome the challenge, mm-hmm. you know, and don't let the, don't let the new uh, situation take your passion away. Leverage your passion uh, to, to secure your seat on the bus. Amen. Gotcha. Amen. You know, because, I mean, I'm sure there's people that might look at you and like, man, you have it pretty good because your dad was the bank president and now you're the bank president. You still have to deliver every day, Scott. I mean, you got to come in and go, we have this enormous organization that deals with a large amount of money. I can't just ride on my dad's coattails. I got to deliver every day. That's the way it's me. I look like I'm standing on Bob Connor's shoulders and he's standing on John Frame's shoulders. And there's a lot of really great radio people that have gone before. I mean, our radio station used to have Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey might be the most recognizable radio person in history. That's right. So when you're on a radio station that has that kind of talent, you got to deliver every day. And I take it real serious every day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now, shifting back to our local environment here, we talked about transportation. Tell me about, I mean, we we already have a a transportation issue. Right, I mean, it's not like they can rebuild the freeways from where they're at now without you know, taking eminent domain or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. When do you think Columbus is going to get serious about mass transit? You know, I, I look out the window here, and I see this big, beautiful car lot across the way here. I that's, think it, it's that's Buyers Automotive, <laughs> by the way. Too. But it's I think it's 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 not that people. I mean, because you have a lot of transplants now that live in big cities. I mean, New York people, Chicago people, D.C. people, L.A. people, they get mass transit. There's something about Columbus. We just love our cars. I mean, it's why car shows are big here. It's why there's a lot of big car dealers here. Um, You see everything from Tesla right down to guys' cars that have been driving for 20 years. And I changed the oil myself, and that's my ride. You know, it's like an extension of you. So, you know, I don't know that Columbus will ever totally overcome that. But I think what you're starting to see now with like the the smart initiative downtown. I mean, I was talking with uh, Doug Buchanan at Columbus Business First, and you know, there's there's guys that are now buying old Coda transport, and they're just going to run little routes up and down High Street. You know, kind of the party bus mentality. Um, you know, I think you start to see inroads with Uber and Lyft, like on game days. And I think the more that kind of stuff happens, and people realize that sitting next to somebody you don't know and maybe having a conversation for a half an hour on the way to work. It's okay. But I think, too, when you look at the, the footprint of Columbus, we don't have big employment centers like they do maybe in some of the bigger cities where mass transit works. You know, you look at D.C. and you look at the mall. How many people work right in and around the mall? It makes sense for the subway to go under that, you know. Here in Columbus, you got people that work in the burbs. you got people that work downtown. And you got all little pieces. I mean, look where you're at, you know. I mean, there's a big employer this way, that way, over here, over there. And so mass transit maybe doesn't make quite as much sense for the way Columbus is laid out. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree right, currently. But, you know, we, we also uh, need to get in front of the issue. So I think a, a healthy study maybe might be in order um, if they talk about us adding another million people here in the next 20 years, at some point in time, yeah. we're going to have to have a, a healthy discussion over at least a couple of lines. Well, if you drive if you drive from downtown, go up 315, and then jump on 23 and drive to Delaware, those people need some mass transit. Because that is, oh, my aching head a drive. I don't even care during rush hour. Right. I mean, there needs to be something that takes half of those cars off the road. And if you're one of the half off, you're happier. If you're one of the half on, you're happier. I totally agree. There needs to be something going on. Now, the, I agree. and, and the, But that's what I'm saying. They have to, like a, a loop from the Columbus to, da, you know, the airport to downtown. 
and maybe from the north end down, you know, for now. Yeah. Well, when we already have the rail system there, why not go ahead and, and, and tap it? You know, we have to, it, yes, it would take, you know, $50 million. It would take a big investment, if not more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have the tracks there to make it happen, I think, would be uh, important, you know, before it becomes where we can't grow anymore yeah. <clears throat> or well, we're so far away. And that, two, but I mean, if, you know, if you can convince people, like, you know, when you talk about the, the loop in Chicago, those people, it's more efficient for them to get on the train and go home than it is here. Still here, even though you complain about the traffic on 315 and 71 and that coming in from the north and all that, it's still in most people's minds more efficient for them to drive and park right by where they work than it is to park my car, get on the train, yep. and maybe another 30, 40, 50% of time getting there. Once you figure that out, you get that problem figured, I think people are on it right now. Yeah, I, I'm making a mistake, at, again, about being a long-term planner. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking way out in the future. That's all good. We need That's people that have that vision right. for 2035. That's right. Yeah. So uh, some of the things you like about Columbus uh, best, what are the best things you think that we have to offer? If you had I, in this name three or four. I you know I I couldn't limit it to that. I mean my brain when you say Columbus is best, I immediately go to food, um, and that's something that you know you kind of know. But like when I worked with Bob for years, I mean for Bob, food is love. I mean for, you know his family was a restaurant family, and so you know whether it's you know Nancy's on High Street, just mom and pop, just you know really just good comfort food, or you go up to Polaris and Eddie Merlot's or Carfagna's Kitchen. You know what I mean? You can go as high or low as you want. It's, you know, ethnically, like you said, so diverse. So if you wake up in mood, you're for Thai or, you know, you're for Mediterranean. I mean, gosh darn, I can't imagine there's many places that you could go and get better food and more varied food than here. You know, we mentioned I'm a golfer. Again, I know there are better seasonal, like more expansive weather opportunity places in this country to play golf. You can't, you can't even beat the city golf courses we have. I mean, we have a Donald Ross city course. We have a Robert Trent Jones city course. Pick city, city course. City courses. These are <laughs> yeah. muni courses that you can just call and get a tee time and go play. And these are tremendous golf designers, historic people. Right. And they're in Columbus. And then, you know, then you talk about the great clubs, Columbus Country Club. You talk about Heritage or you talk about Double Eagle. I mean, my gosh, I could do 14 hours just on that. So, again, that's a part of the thing. If you're not a golfer, you maybe don't know that. You don't maybe don't appreciate that. But, my gosh, you just take those little pieces out. But, you know, it's been so fun to get to know the Blue Jackets organization. Um, when you talk about, um, you know, sports in this town for so long was just Ohio State. And it was Ohio State football first, and then men's basketball, and then, you know, they have a lot of other varsity sports, but not as much. Now you've got, you know, the crew and the Blue Jackets, and you see how professional sports works. But I'm telling you what, the Blue Jackets, on the ice, behind the scenes, organizationally, culturally, given back to the community. I mean, they haven't been a part of this community as long as a lot of other entities, and they love Columbus. They like to be in Columbus. They give back to Columbus. That's what I think really shows well for the city. Yeah. Even new people in the community well, they were founded embrace by it. A great Columbus family. Unbelievable. Too, you know? Unbelievable. The McConnell right. family is yeah. a, a staple here, mm-hmm. and John and, and the whole family, yeah. uh, you know, are... And I'm sure that's how they designed that. You know, obviously they did. They didn't have to come get an NHL team. They took it on the chin for many years, right? Even yeah. trying to make a dime or two. Uh, but now it seems the things they found their place. Mm-hmm. And uh, heck, we've won. We're uh, at this point. Um, uh, we are uh, in the playoffs and uh, beat Washington in their house uh, the other night. That was thing. a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. So. Well, that's great. Well, the what the it, we've talked about uh, um, all the different things that you like about town. Um, 
uh, in the future, where do you see where do you see the city in the next fifteen years? Yeah, when you well, and I are going to be, you know, sitting here with our false careful teeth, now, uh, careful now, talking, careful now. Oh, I already do that. So, tell me, what do you think the city's going to be like in ten to fifteen years? It's it's interesting. Um, you know, I I live so in the moment. I mean, what I do is so right now, and just you know, what's the update, and you just really really focus in on that. But you know, we were talking earlier. Um, you know, driving up 23 and how congested it is up to Delaware because there's so many people. I think what you're seeing now, because people want to be in the Columbus area, that you see the Grove cities growing. You know, you're going to start to see areas like Obets. You're going to start to see the city grow out to and past Pataskala and Pickerington. And it's because people want to be close to it and be around a great community like that. So, you know, you're on the right track, I think, with infrastructure and transportation. But it's really... To me, it's like, can you keep that hometown feel? You know, how long has it been since you heard someone call Columbus a cow town? It's been a while. Been good, and that good used to be a thing. Right. We're not a cow town anymore, but we're just a good, solid Midwestern destination city for a lot of people now. And it's, can we continue to grow? Can we keep adding big money people and millennials and up-and-comers and venture capital and all those things, but still kind of keep our identity? You know, I, I hope we don't lose that. I don't want to be that guy that's, hey, you kids get off my lawn, and my way was a better way, and 20 years ago I liked it better. I wanted to be just as proud of it in 2020 and 2025 and 2030 as I am right now because you feel like you're on the right track, and you hope that the city leaders and the people that are running the county and state government and Ohio State and all the big land people but also the brain people behind what we do is that they're able to keep that because I think psychologically as a town, as just kind of a vibe for Central Ohio, that's why I think this town wins is because we've got decent morals, decent values, really good people, smart people, and sometimes when you get big, you lose that. You know, you don't want to see crime spike. Um, you don't want to see bad influence get a foothold in here and maybe give us a bad name. You just hope that we're able to keep all that at bay and keep Columbus, Columbus. Yeah, that's something I've noticed. I you get to travel around the country uh, with my. Uh, various duties for for uh, community banking in America, and and w one thing I have noticed is that in Columbus, you ask somebody a question, they'll a they'll a answer you, mm -hmm. and, and they might even say thanks for asking. <laughs> you know, you go to do that in some other cities, yeah. and and you know, people will might glare at you. They may say, well, I'm not going to answer, or they think you're pulling a fast one, or whatever. You know, so I mean, in in, in Central Ohio, it seems that we have a, a, a friendly lot. We're mm -hmm. a friendly lot of folks. That uh, love to have fun and uh, and 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 invest in our own community, invest in our own. Mm -hmm. So, if you had to give some advice to maybe some people that are either you know starting over in a career or they're just starting their career, maybe for our young folks or even our folks that want to cap things off, what would be what would be some uh, tools of advice for those young people that are maybe here in in town in college or whatever, starting their career? Yeah. What would you th What would you say to those? You know, folks? one maybe of the in Columbus at this day. Yeah. Well, time. you know, one of the things that Joe Riley advice. <laughs> Man, this is going to be way too big a buildup now. Um, again, from people in my life that I've looked up to, maybe people that didn't necessarily mentor me, but I looked like I thought of them as a mentor, people that gave me great nuggets and that. Um, I've known people that have just gone like to Ohio State and audited a class. Didn't take the class, but just made sure it was cool and sat in just to see what was going on. Just to see what are they talking about on college campuses. And then kind of pick up that vibe and then see if you can direct it into what you do professionally or within the culture of your family or things like that. You know, expose yourself 
to things that maybe you don't do. Like, you know, we talked about, hey, if I live in Dublin, drive down to Grove City. See what's going on. See how the rest of the city rolls, where the hot spots are. What Are their concerns the same as your concerns? And, and I think so much of the world right now, whether it's on social media or it's political or whatever, we spend all our time driving wedges. You know, it's like, how am I different from you? What's the point where you and I don't agree anymore and things like that? And I would like it if people could go out and find things that they have in common with other people. So you can at least have some point where like, hey, your kid plays soccer, mine does too. And where do you go travel? I mean, we were in Chicago last weekend. Where were you? Well, we were in Pittsburgh. And start there and try to develop some friendships and then realize that not everybody's out to cut your throat. Not everybody wants you to be on the side and they, they get a market share that you don't get because of that. But if we can just figure out how people in Obetz and people in Gahanna and people in Pataskala and people in Hilliard, we got a lot in common. And, and if we start to identify that and then we all want the same kinds of things to happen in central Ohio, then I think we're on the right track. You know, if, if we don't look down on geographically or, you know, gender or whatever the things are that are dividing the community today, if we can just figure out ways to bridge that, you know, and that might be, you know, take a psychology class. It might just be to go to a different church on Sunday morning. It might be just anything, but open your eyes to it and then allow yourself to go, hey, that that's not so bad. That's actually kind of cool. Maybe I'm going to incorporate that in what I do. I think if we look for more things in common, a phrase like common sense will actually have meaning again. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Wouldn't it be neat if civility originated in the in the 21st century? That'd be in really Columbus, cool. Ohio? Yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> you know, because you're right. We people are immediately trying to figure out what the divisiveness is, and yeah. I think it's the, the because of the surroundings that we live in. I mean, if you pick up a paper or you look at the news or you do anything else, it's all about you know us and them. Mm-hmm. It's not about we. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I think Columbus would be a great place for that to start. And frankly, we don't see a lot of that in, in town. We have a very friendly atmosphere, mm-hmm. uh, very conducive. A lot of folks uh, uh, here support one another in the different uh, events and and and, uh, and and mantras that they might have. You know, anywhere in their lives. Yeah, well, so, I keep it going. You that's know, that's right. That's that's. I would love that. Well, uh, you know, now it's your turn. Do you, you get to ask me a question. I've been asking all these questions. What would you like to know? You know, me? I mean, so many of my questions would be about money. I don't know that I could really go nuts. But um, one of the things that always impresses me about Heartland Bank is literally, like just this week, people that I've talked to, they're like, hey, what do you got going on this week? I'm like, I'm going to go over and talk to Scott Heartland. We're going to do a little podcast thing. And they've all got a story. Like, I played golf earlier this week at what I affectionately call the Croton Country Club. Um, and that's that was your first bank, right? I mean, yeah, that's, in, Croton, yeah. in Croton, Ohio, that's right. the first Heartland that's Bank. Right, right. And every time I drive by that bank, I think of you, and I think of Tiny, and I think, my gosh, how far has Heartland Bank come from there? So I guess how many how many branches? How many like how many tellers work for you? How big is Heartland right? Now? Yeah, well, we uh, we don't have tellers anymore, Joel. We call no them, tellers, uh, no tellers. We call them universal bankers, okay. and uh, and actually they are. Uh, uh, seasoned people that that uh, can do everything from a transaction all the way to uh, a mortgage loan. Okay. So um, the, there's no more. The front line now is a place to have a conversation, Excellent. not a place to do a transaction. Okay. Uh, even though we still do transactions. Yeah. Don't worry, we didn't take away the drive-through yet, but you know, one day we might. Okay. Uh, but no, the bank we have 15 locations. Uh, we're approaching a billion dollars in total assets. It's really been a great success story here in Central Ohio. So. And you're still see that seems like that would be so much stress. I mean, when you you just say a billion dollars, like it's a billion dollars. Billion. Uh, for me, that's a lot of 
lot of money, Scott. It is a lot of money. That's a lot of responsibility. It is. It is. But you know what? We have a great team here. It didn't happen overnight, you know, so the bank's 100 and some years old. Yeah. We really started to put the – Putting the uh, pedal to the metal back, obviously went tiny and uh, Heartland Bank formed Heartland Bank Corp in '88, and then and then uh, brought it forward. And our last most you know, powerful growth years, frankly, have been in the last seven years or eight years, mm-hmm. when you know when we were recovering from the financial disaster and the people in Columbus realized that we weren't a bank that was going to kick them to the curb if they had a technical default. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that trust uh, and a lot of marketing dollars on 610 has uh, has really helped us out. Uh, so we've kind of broken, broken the corporate veil. Let me say so. something about that. You know, that's one of the things I, I think, you know, uh, when I talk to people about what I do for a living, and I, I have clients that I, I speak on their behalf. I do commercials for them, right? So, you know, you have these partnerships. And when I go out and I talk to people that potentially I'm going to be working with, you know, I think they come into it with this idea. It's like, hey, we just need to convince Riley to do our commercials, and it's going to be pretty cool. I interview them as much as they interview me because the reality is if I tell people that listen to my radio station to go see them and they have a bad experience, it's a little bit on the client. It's a lot more on me because I gave them a bad piece of information. So you know what? If if 32 people ask me to come do a podcast, I might say yes a couple times. I'm not blowing smoke right now. I mean, we like what Heartland Bank is in Columbus. And when Scott McComb says, hey, I got an idea. I mean, I talked to the Conaway Family Business Center this morning on the radio show, and that was a tip from you, and B was awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. She I mean. Had, you, I even liked her, your comment about her soothing voice. You have such a soothing voice. She was great. <laughs> I mean, you know. For an attorney, that's great. That's that what I'm saying. Voice. When you get, you're going to talk to attorneys sometimes, you feel like you're going to get grilled, or they're going to be real pointed, or not going to give big answers. She was just cool. And, you know, that's, again, just a little – you've given me so many great tips just for what I do for a living and pointed me in the right direction. And so I know that you're good people and that you like Columbus too. And so if I talk to someone and they're looking for a bank or they're looking for something, I'm going to say, you know what, you should try Heartland because they're good people. And maybe they don't have the exact answer for what you're doing. I don't know what you're looking for. I'm no banker. But they're going to be a great resource and a great place to start. And like you said, you know, people will give you an answer. And, hey, thanks for asking. That's what it's about. So it's really easy to talk to people that love Columbus because I do too. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being here today. My Joel, pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. I know we're going to play some golf later on this year. I look later, forward to that. So, Try not to beat me as bad as you did last time. Well, I'm saying you were you were a little injured before. I think you were recovering from some surgery. I have no excuse. Right? I have so, no excuse. But uh, anyway, I want to thank Joel for being on the show today. Um, you know, and his contributions to Central Ohio. You know, we are this melting pot that is Columbus. Uh, we're very proud of where we live, and it's uh, people that are driving the bus like Joel to make it happen. So, Joel, thanks for driving the bus. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. 